Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Are you or your team performing all possible vendor validations? Do you know which documents have the key data you need to confirm that the vendor you are about to create or update is real? Be sure by downloading the vendor validation reference list. It also has links to all the resources listed. Download at www. Dot Deborah D E B R A R Richardson R I C H A R D S O N dot com. Do you have a Canadian vendor to set up and need some resources to make sure you are verifying tax registration numbers, address formats, watch lists, and banking information? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 93, How to Set Up Canadian Vendors. Now, whether you are a U.S.-based company or a non-U.S.-based company, you may have the occasional or more vendor registered to do business in Canada that you need to set up. Canadian vendors, like most countries, have unique registration numbers, address formats, and banking information and also currency considerations that need to be validated and recorded when onboarding a new vendor. And it's not just about compliance. You need to verify they are a real vendor if you want to avoid fraud. And you may also have to collect information to reclaim taxes paid on invoices or make sure your check payment or tax forms will be delivered successfully. Now, I will be talking about these in five different areas. Income tax registration numbers, sales tax registration numbers, address format, payment information, and then watch list. So let's look first at income tax registration numbers. And the first one is the business number or BN. That is issued by the Canada Revenue Agency or CRA. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. But this number is required to collect from the vendor if you are a government entity. It is a nine-digit number and it would be equivalent to the IRS uh, tax identification number or 10. Now there is nothing that you need to file where you're going to have to make sure that the business number and the legal name match or you're going to get fines. Uh, It doesn't work like that, like it does with the IRS. However, if you require it, it is one more way to verify you are dealing with the right vendor. All right, the next income tax registration number, of course, is the IRS tax identification number, or 10. 
and if you are a U.S. entity utilizing the services of a Canadian vendor, you are required by the IRS to determine the status of this foreign vendor and whether tax withholding is required. And while requirements to gain or have an IRS 10 vary, to avoid tax withholding, the Canadian vendor will need to fill out the applicable W-8 form with a U.S. 10 and submit it. Now, you can register and validate the 10 on the IRS eServices, which is free that site, or you can use something like 10check.com, which is subscription-based. There may be other resources to verify as well. And here, I just want to talk about, you know, years ago, it used to be that Canadian vendors with the IRS had a 98 prefix tax identification number or 10. So I don't think that holds water anymore. A few years back, they changed it. And now if you take a look on their website, the irs.gov website, and just kind of search for prefixes and what they mean, you'll see that the prefix 98 is one of the uh, prefixes in a list that are assigned based on where the request came from for the tax identification number. So um, if it's online or internet based, which is how I got mine, so if it's online based, then 98 is in the list of prefixes that are assigned to companies when the request comes from the internet. So the old tax ID beginning with 98 means it's a Canadian vendor no longer is valid, at least to my knowledge. Like all IRS tax identification number or TENS, the foreign TEN or I-10 is nine digits long. Okay, so the second area we're going to look at is sales tax registration numbers. And while you as an AP person or an AP vendor maintenance person may not use these numbers, it could help the tax team or whatever team that may need to reclaim taxes billed on invoices. So it's great to collect these so that you have these on the uh, vendor record when they're needed. And so the first one for Canadian vendors is goods and services tax slash harmonized sales tax or GST slash HST. Now this is a value added tax levied by the federal government that can be included on invoices like VAT in the EU. And you want to validate that on the Government of Canada website. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. And then the other one is the Provincial Sales Tax, or PST. Now this is a retail sales tax levied on taxable goods by the provinces. It's only really required if your company purchases or leases new or used goods for use in British Columbia. And again, just like the business number, these sales tax registration numbers can be used to validate whether or not your vendor is a real vendor. Now this is an 11 digit number beginning with the letters PST as in provincial sales tax. And I will have a link of where you can go to verify that number for free. However, you will need the business number or BN number to use that free service. 
Alright, so the third area is the address format. Gotta love it. So the Universal Postal Union, it is a great consolidated resource to find address format tools or resources based on country. And the Universal Postal Union is kind of equivalent to the United States Postal Service, except they don't have the same functions or features that USPS does. So again, they collect these resources and if you request based on country and address format, it'll give you a list of tools that you can use for that specific country. Now, I have found two great tools. Um, one I found on Universal Postal Union and one I found on my own. But I found two great tools to verify Canadian address formats. The first one is Canada Post. And this site has a convenient address complete feature in case you are missing a section of the address. So with this site, you can search the street address, rural, I can never say that word, rural route, PO box or general delivery to get a postal code. And actually, if you just start typing it in, it will complete it for you. And you can search by postal code, like a reverse search and get a complete address. Now it is a free service and I will put a link to it in the show notes. The second one that I really like is Smarty Streets. And you may heard, have heard me talk about Smarty Streets in the past. This site is just one of my favorite validations for both US and international address formats because it has 240 plus countries because it will not only validate the address format, but it will also verify the status. So for example, the address may be a match mailable, which means that it matched the address and that it can be delivered. Or the status may be match vacant, which means that yes, the address is mailable, but no one has picked up mail there and the post office has just stopped delivering it. Now they have a single address tool that can be used for US or international at no cost if you just do a few searches daily. And so that is a great tool for, you know, that one Canada vendor setup that you need to get completed and you need to verify the address. So again, I will put the links to Canada Post and Smarty Streets in the show notes and you can tell me which one you like better or if you have a different tool to validate address formats. Let me know that too. All right, so now we're up to the fourth area that I want to talk about and it's payment information. And so in payment information, the uh, electronic payments to a Canada bank, that should be a big one. Um, successfully sending payments to a Canadian bank requires the financial institution number, which is three digits, branch transit number, which is five digits, and the account number, which can be anywhere from seven to 12 digits. Now, the financial institution number and the branch transit number together equal eight digits, and that can be displayed as a routing number. But don't forget to add the leading zero to get to nine digits. And I will tell you, this is one 
Well, was one of the biggest issues when I was an AP senior manager because if a payment file failed, that's the first thing that we would go and look at to see if that zero was added. Because it's not necessarily, your vendors don't give you that instruction when they give it the, give that information to you they give you they can give you right the the financial institution number and the branch transit number as one and you think that that's fine but you're not really counting that it's only eight digits and not nine digits and that right there is a great reason to use your own company branded ACH form because you can control what is received. And so if you have nine digits for that routing number that's formatted in that way on the form, then that um, should prompt the vendor to enter that leading zero. So when your vendor setup folks get it, they don't have to, uh, they don't have to risk not putting that in or not remembering to put in that leading zero. Okay, so the financial institution number plus the branch transit number plus a leading zero is the Canadian bank routing number. And I will have a link of where you can verify Canadian bank routing numbers. Now, as far as bank account ownership, that one's a little bit more difficult. I know that many of us have already heard of Early Warning and GAIAC, where they verify bank account ownership based on US banks submitting information on their depositors to a large database and then checking against that. There's not that collaboration with uh, non-US banks. But there is a software platform from NS Knox that will validate ownership for international bank accounts. And I actually did a, a webinar with them a few weeks back. And so I will have a link to the on-demand webinar and it's called Don't Pay Cyber Criminals, Validate Domestic and International Bank Accounts, Actively Protect Your Payments. And in that webinar, I give a manual way to authenticate vendors so that you can verify you're dealing with the right vendor who's giving you their banking information. But then NS Knox also has a demo and that demo is of their solution where you can check against their database for bank account ownership. And then if for some reason your vendor is not in that database, it gives information on how you can ask the vendor to uh, to validate. And it's kind of like a pre-note, but take a look at that on-demand webinar if you have uh, if you have more questions or are interested. And again, I'll put a link uh, to that in the show notes. All right, so the next thing is uh, currency. So Canadian currency. Now, there may be banks or credit unions in Canada that only accept payments in Canadian currency or CAD. Now, when you set up your vendor record, you may need to identify the type of currency on the payment location, for example, just depending on your accounting system or ERP. And payment in different currency than your local currency may require different pay cycles, 
originating bank accounts, for example, and that information may need to be pulled from the vendor record by your system. So make sure you check with your treasury or payment team to verify how the vendor record needs to be set up. And testing, if you are able to do it, testing pay files to your bank can detect any issues with currency and or the banking information that was collected and updated in the vendor record. Now the last of the five areas is the watch list and OFAC, Office of Foreign Assets and Control. So if you are a U.S. entity, you are required to verify prior to payment that a vendor you are doing business with is not on any of the OFAC sanction lists. Now you can search on the OFAC treasury site, which is free, or you can uh, search via 10check.com, which is a paid subscription. But if you are already using 10check.com for the IRS 10, then the OFAC, along with a lot of other validations, are already included. Now another one, if you are a government entity, is the system of award management. Now U.S. government entities are prohibited from awarding contracts to contractor entities that are on this U.S. federal exclusion list and you want to search by name to verify the vendor is not on the list and this is again another free directory. Now the last one is if you are a healthcare provider, the Office of Inspector General or OIG has the authority to exclude individuals and entities from federally funded healthcare programs. And you can search by name to verify the vendor is not on the list in that directory as well, and that is free. And again, if you do use 10check.com to verify your IRS tax identification numbers, you can also get this watch list search for free because it is included in one of the 24 plus validations that it checks for the vendors. Nope, I have one more and the last one I promise this time is the Bureau and Industry and Security or BIS. Now vendors that appear on their denied persons list of export import vendors should also be avoided and they do have a free directory again i'll put all the links in the show notes and again if you have 10check.com that is bis is on their list of validations that they check Okay, so that was my list of what you need and the resources to set up a Canadian vendor. If your company does something different, I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to comment on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on or shoot me an email at deborah@deborahrichardson.com. or there always is an accompanied blog post and you can comment on the blog post and that's right on my site at deborahrrichardson.com. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 93rd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. 
stay happy.